is a well-known story uh, told by Stephen Covey about a father who boarded a train with his three children. And the man sat down quietly by himself, lost in thought, but his children began charging around, causing upset and distress among the other passengers. It got so bad that the person sitting next to the man couldn't hold his disgust any longer and said, can't you see that your children are causing such distress? Have you no consideration? Surely you can do something. And he turned and replied, I'm so sorry. It's because their mother died in the hospital just an hour ago and they're finding it hard to accept. You can imagine the reversal of feelings in the person looking on. They said, oh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Is there anything I can do? We all experience the world differently, don't we? Uh, and our feelings can change in an instant when we receive new information or a fresh perspective. We filter reality through our presuppositions, our life experiences, our values, our upbringing, and our faith in God. Of course, public opinion is generally shaped by the news media, uh, so-called influencers in, uh, in, in social media, by politicians and community leaders and, and our families and friends. But as Christians, we believe in another dimension. We believe that God is active within human affairs, shaping history, bringing good from evil, and leading people, communities, and nations to himself. When you um, are at the end of a torrent of news feeds in your life, is that how you see the way the world is and the way the world is going? Through God's perspective. Our Old Testament reading today from 1 Kings chapter 16 contains the intriguing story of the widow of Zarephath. Um, and there are two dimensions to this story. First of all, we think of what God is doing through kings and nations, the big picture, as it were. But God also works at a personal level among individual people living particular lives with particular needs. See, God works with and through people like you and me and through the world, world events as well. God works globally and locally, to coin a phrase, globally and locally. So the story actually begins in verse 1 of chapter 17, which we didn't read this morning, but it introduces the prophet Elijah to us. Elijah is called by God to prophesy against King Ahab. Ahab had been ruling Israel, and he'd married Jezebel. Um, she's got quite a reputation because of this. Who came from a place on the Mediterranean coast called Sidon, uh, about 100 kilometers north of the Sea of Galilee, if you can imagine that, well outside the land of Israel's borders. And because of the influence of Jezebel, the whole country had turned away from worshipping Yahweh, the God of Israel, and most were now worshipping the Baals, which were the indigenous gods of Canaan. Baal was thought to be the storm god, and it was believed that if you pleased Baal with your worship and your sacrifices, etc., he would send rain and the crops would be successful and you would prosper. So there are some interesting things going on here. First of all, note that the truth is being contested. Is Yahweh the one true God, or is he not? Is it Baal, after all? We live in a society where the truth is not as obvious as it once was. There are disagreements about COVID. 
about the vaccine, about the statistics, about doctors and politicians and science. Everything seems to be contested in today's world. And religious truth is also contested, as we know. We have Islam, we have Buddhism, Sikhism, uh, Hinduism, and every conceivable version of agnosticism and atheism as well. Today is a pick-and-mix age where truth is relative, except that statement, of course, and everyone believes what is right in their own eyes. The Baals have not gone away. And so the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And he said to Ahab in verse 1, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And so there was a drought in Israel. In the Old Testament, a drought often carried the, the meaning of divine displeasure. The nation is being judged for neglecting the worship of the one true God and following after these indigenous idols of Canaan. A judgment on their faithlessness and for drifting into idolatry. You see, at the end of the day, there is an objective truth. We believe that every time we board an aircraft, or I could give numerous examples. Everyone believes in an objective truth. And we cannot bend that truth to our wishes. If we try and do that, we ourselves are bent and broken. We must conform to God's will, God's truth. Notice also that King Ahab is situated among the gods. So many of our world leaders are situated among the gods of power and status and corruption and riches. Ahab had married someone from beyond the borders of Israel, from Sidon, and Jezebel worshipped Baal. And Ahab had filled the royal house with idols, and the whole nation meekly followed along. But into the royal palace stepped the prophet Elijah. Without conventional resources of power, but full of moral and spiritual authority. In fact, the name Elijah means Yahweh is my God. Isn't that delicious? God will not allow evil to flourish forever. There will be a day of reckoning. And for Ahab, it was the day Elijah stepped into the royal court. So the prophet named Yahweh is my God comes face to face with the king who has turned away from Yahweh. And the judgment is a drought. Israel, which was so dependent on the seasonal rains, would languish under the beating sun. And if anyone has been to Israel, pretty many people here have been to Israel. I've had the privilege of going to Israel once. And the heat is incredible. And so a drought had serious implications. Now, after pronouncing the word of judgment on the king, Elijah exits and goes to the east of the Jordan, but eventually travels north to a place called Zarephath, a satellite town of, wait for it, Sidon. In other words, Elijah is sent into the very territory that Jezebel had come from. God is taking the battle right into the heart of enemy territory. And Elijah is sent to a widow whom God had said would feed him. Now, to be a widow in ancient times, as we know, was to be on the very fringe of society. You had no male protector. You had no way of making a living. You were extremely vulnerable. So out of compassion, God sends Elijah to an unnamed 
widow. Elijah uh, comes from the corridors of power to the most vulnerable person you can imagine. Um, so you see this contrast between the global and the local. From the most powerful person in the land to the most powerless, disadvantaged person in the land. God works through the great movements of history, but also in the lives of individual people. God cares about every single individual person. And because God had said in verse 9 that this widow would feed Elijah, without hesitation, he asked her for something to drink and something to eat. A bit brusquely to our ears, but we don't know the tone, so okay, benefit of the doubt there. But it turns out that she was at the very limit of existence at that moment. Her life hung in a thread. When Elijah asked for some of the cake she was about to bake, she replied, as the Lord your God lives. Notice she says the Lord your God. She was not an Israelite. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Everything she says is small and meagre. A handful, literally a palm full of meal, a little bit of oil in a jug, and a couple of sticks. She is at the very limit. Remember that God's word had come to Elijah saying that the widow would feed him. But now we hear another word. The word of the widow saying that she was about to die. So whose word would prevail? A word of life or a word of death? A word of hope or a word of despair? This is all about who we believe, isn't it? We all hear different words in today's world. Uh, words from the newspaper, words from books, the internet, social media. A deluge of words fills our world. And some of them are words of hope and a lot of them are words of despair. But the burning question is, who do you believe? Or perhaps an even more important question is, whose perspective do you see the world from? Like the onlooker on the train, one perspective was seeing badly behaved children with a disengaged parent. The other perspective revealed a bereaving family trying to process their grief. You see, you can see things in a completely different way depending on your perspective. When God says one thing and the world says another, who do you believe? With whose perspective do you see the world? I'm talking, of course, about the Christian mind. A mind so steeped in scripture and in faith that we begin to see things God's way from God's perspective. One of the most important aspects of our faith, that, that which enables us to flourish as human beings, that which enables us to live with confidence in the world, is hope. But we hear words of despair all around us. However, no matter what our situation, God addresses us with a word of hope this morning. There is a God who loves us, each one of us. There is meaning to be found in this life. There is purpose. Death is not the last word. 
there is hope. And so Elijah said to the widow in verse 13, do not be afraid. Do not think that your extreme circumstances will have the last word. And Elijah might say to us, imagine the prophet, the great prophet Elijah, thundering into live streams. And he might say to us, do not be afraid. Do not think that the torrent of bad news will have the last word. Do not be afraid. And do not be afraid of COVID. Don't be afraid of nations and rogue states behaving badly, strutting and posturing on the world stage. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the state of the environment even. Don't be afraid of sea levels rising or pollution or threatened species. Do something about it, but don't allow that fear to overwhelm you, that anxiety about the state of things, to have the last word in your life. No, we have hope. And we read that Jesus commonly said the same thing to people he met. When Jesus walked on the water and the disciples were beside themselves, he said, it is I, do not be afraid. When the group came to Jesus and said that Jairus' daughter had died, Jesus said, do not be afraid, only believe. Perspective, you see, only believe. Elijah went on to say in verse 14, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. And the promise was fulfilled. There is no explanation of how the miracle happened. There is no curiosity about the exact mechanism. Our scientific minds immediately ask, how could that possibly have happened? But it's simply a wonder wrought by God. In the midst of want, God supplies abundance. God's promise is fulfilled. Death is turned back and life flourishes once again. And God's word speaks to us today with an enduring message. The enduring message of the whole of the Bible. And the message is that there is a God. God loves us. In God we find our deepest fulfillment. God is our true home and place of flourishing. Isn't that extraordinary good news? The onlooker on the train had a kind of conversion experience. Do you agree with that? Yeah. A sudden change of mind and a change of heart. A complete change of perspective. Through this story from First Kings, we're being asked to adopt God's perspective of things, to have a reconversion, if you will. Yes, we're converted when we come to Christ for the first time, but goodness me, we know we need that ongoing conversion into God's perspective and God's way of seeing things day after day to develop the Christian mind, to recognize the way God works both globally and locally. This is not by any means to shrink down, God down, to just privatize that God is, is a global, has global interests as well as local personal interests. And to believe that God's promise of life over, over death is coming true. Do you believe that this morning? God's promise of life over death is coming true. 
in our congregation, our community, city, nation, and world. Amen. And let us uh, now come to God in prayer.